Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we're talking about Ant-Man 3, Quantum Mania. I'm your host, Bad Coyote, here with Doc Chris to talk about it. That's right, in my full size. No shrinkage here, everyone. <laughs> so, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania has dropped. Uh, we're talking heavy spoilers here. We're talking directly about the movie. So, uh, as the movie follows, we uh, start off with Scott Lang, who has saved the universe <laughs> and has wrote a book, Look Out for the Little Guy. Uh, we then cut over to his daughter, Cassie Lang, who's now a delinquent as she is trying to help some homeless people in the park uh, against the police. Um, she wants to help out mankind, the, the general crux of this movie, right? She wants to do good. You know, she sees her dad being a superhero when she was younger, you know, the whole thing with Yellow Jacket trying to kill her in a room. And she sort of develops this technology along with her grandparents to be sort of a Hubble telescope into the quantum realm. In studying the quantum realm, maybe they can find something that can help out mankind. And in order to do that, just to beam a signal down there, much to the chagrin of Janet Van Dyne, uh, her grandmother, who says, wait, you're sending a signal down to the quantum realm? I was down there for 30 years. Turn it off right now. You haven't known what's going on? And then, boom, signal comes up. Something happens. They get sucked into the quantum realm, and shenanigans start happening. Jonathan Majors is making his Marvel debut as King the Conqueror, the new bad guy who we're going to be seeing in this next Phase 5 of Marvel. Good things first. Good things first. Chris, let's get this out of the way. I want to ask you about Kane the Conqueror. Now, sure. I... I personally thought in my non-spoiler review that Jonathan Majors did a really good job as King the Conqueror. I think mm -hmm. his acting chops are incredible. I think he was a menace. I think the scenes where he's actually allowed to chew the scenery and be the bad guy, I thought he delivered the lines very well. I thought at times he looked pretty good. CG aside, we'll talk about that later. Um, I thought his performance as King the Conqueror, which is something everyone wants to know about, in my opinion, mm -hmm. was pretty good. What was your view of Jonathan Majors coming in as King the Conqueror? I think they put the enemy in the wrong movie. I think he... <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I think he was great. I just think he was, like, way too heavy of a villain to put into a movie that, for the most part, was there was a lot of silliness going on, and we'll get into that. But as far as Jonathan Majors as uh, Kang, dude was menacing. He had this, like, do what I want or horrible things will happen. That's my that's my mo, and it was he like he's a man who knows what he wants, knows how to get it, and isn't afraid to be cruel to get there. And it was like you felt the weight of that, um, which felt very weird juxtaposed again against the entire rest of the set, the rest of the setting. But um, you know, especially where we kind of end and we we get to see a little bit more weight about what's going on. Uh, yeah, he, I, I think he killed it. I'm excited to see him in other settings <laughs> but uh but yeah i i think he's uh it it was definitely a good sign of of things to come yeah exactly right because like chris i mean it could have been you know uh his downfall because jonathan majors is good in a lot of things you know but uh when certain people come to the mcu it doesn't translate that well i think he translated yeah pretty well as a villain like putting mm -hmm. everything else aside like you're saying uh i think he translated very well and i think he's a really good addition you know so i have the confidence that moving forward okay jonathan majors is that guy he's he's going to do it so uh other good thing i i want to say in keeping with the, the positive parts of this <laughs> this review here um i do think paul paul Rudd is such a likable guy man like mm -hmm. as scott lang you you just love the little moments where you know he does his little sort of little nods to the camera without looking to the camera um <laughs> his his sort of like micro <laughs> acting you know there's a part of the movie where, where uh with a, a little alien guy asks him how many holes he has and then you know he has to pause for a minute and then count I'm like yeah you know yeah yeah that's 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 about right <laughs> <laughs> oh man I, his interaction with the rest of the ant-man family's interaction with the rest of the quantum realm there's there's times where like you know i don't think he meant to be funny but because maybe it's paul rudd he's absolutely hilarious uh not all of the jokes landed but i think paul rudd himself is really good uh, I think he more so lends himself better as a, as a side character not as like a main feature um, I, I really still like Evangeline Lily. I wish she still had more to do but uh, the the standout um, uh, good thing here is um, we really oh, man let's see here. <laughs> I'm trying we, got, to do like, we gotta dig for this one I'm trying to do like, like positives first and then <laughs> just get into everything else uh God damn it. <laughs> I was really thinking, but uh so so positives for, for you, Chris, then we're getting to the nitty-gritty. Um positives for me. I uh, it's just <laughs> rough because I 
I feel like there's a lot of uh, there was definitely like I was like I'm, I'm trying to think of like the actual setting, but the actual setting felt like it was basically in space with Guardians of the Galaxy, and some of the the CG was total scuff, and some of the designs of like Kang's army, I was like, that's just Wakanda. Like, let's be honest. Uh, I don't know. There there was just a lot of felt like recycled stuff in this movie. Um, I mean, I think everyone's performance was fine. Like, acting wise, all right, cool. I just, again, I, I do think that I'm with you that I feel like Ant-Man feels better in like a friendly neighborhood Ant-Man than something that's quite so cosmic as this. Um, but, I mean, what it's the movie we got. What, what do you want us to say? <laughs> so so what did you think of the the overall story, right? So so Cassie makes uh, this Hubble telescope mm-hmm. into the quantum realm. It gets sucked into the quantum realm. Uh, Kane the Conqueror's down there. We find out that he was banished there by mm-hmm. a bunch of hymns, a council of Kang, as we see yeah. at the end of the movie. Uh, so when Hope Van Dyne in the first Ant movie, we, we saw that little backstory of uh, he, she, and Hank Pym were trying to save the world from you know mm-hmm. this missile attack. She had to shrink down as tiny as she could to try to get at it, and then she went into the quantum realm, been down there for for thirty years. So she had some time to be down there. Uh, there was that whole side story with herself and Kang and the interactions with each other. Her finding mm-hmm. out that he is this bad guy by touching the core and seeing into his mind because the core and that technology is one of the same. It links to him, and that's how he uses it. Uh, us going through this whole thing of there's a, re- a resistance down there who has to go up against King because once he got stranded down there, he turned his prison into his fortress, into his kingdom, and mm-hmm. our heroes defeating him and everything uh, going kind of uh, sunshine and rainbows at the end. What do you think of the overall story here? Uh, I mean, I'm fine with them going down to the quantum realm, I guess, but like, it was it's weird that they just went, okay. Cassie's now a super genius and like knows how to do this stuff. It's also weird that he refer she you know refers to uh, Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne as grandma and grandpa when there was no indication in any of the other movies that they had a relationship. <laughs> and also like they're also your step grandpa and grandma, so it was like super like they never. I don't think they ever officially said that like Hope and Scott got married, right? So it's just a weird. A weird dynamic there. Also, I kind of just felt like she was uh, what's her name from the Hawkeye show the whole time. Oh, like, oh, Kate Bishop. <laughs> yeah, like same age in purple is apparently super adept. I don't know. I, I hate when they just decide characters are just super smart for like yeah. out of the blue. Because, it it, 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 it seems felt... lazy and unearned because I think they yeah. want us to just they, they need us to like her. Right off the bat, right? Because, uh, you know, yeah. everyone is rumoring, this isn't confirmed, rumoring that the young Avengers are coming, right? You got Kate Bishop, right. you, you got, you know, uh, Miss Marvel, you got some of the other young characters that are coming up, and you've got Cassie, who in the comics was also a superhero as well, but this is the first time we're seeing her in this form, and mm-hmm. just like you said, Chris, like, she's automatically super smart, she figures out, you know, with the guidance of Hank Pym and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, Janet, because, like, Hank Pym said, oh, we, we, she was curious, we gave her some pointers, you know, your daughter yeah. is very smart, uh, Scott, but yeah, she's like this But, like, how many pointers did you give her? Like, yeah. that was a big <laughs> jump. I, again, it's... I don't mind that it happened, it just, you're right, unearned feels like the right word, because there was no establishing, when she was little, she was just this kind of cute, weird kid, Right? There was no indication that she was into science, things like that. Like, if there were breadcrumbs left along the way, I think I would have bumped on it less. But it was just like, you went from zero to 100 on this one. And it felt it felt weird. It felt forced. It, it, uh, it really did. And the funny thing is, like, uh, when, <laughs> there are so many Marvel apologists who are just like, yeah, but, like, it's, it's fine. Like, she's great. It's like, uh, no. In any sort of story around, you have to lead the audience into your story. You have right. to build on it, right? Like, the latest movie from M. Night Shyamalan, Knock at the Cabin. Uh, you know, it's, it's about a family who has to choose which one of them has to die so the apocalypse mm-hmm. doesn't happen. But we're not just given the ending. We're not just given, like, who this Like, we are slowly brought into the story. There, The characters are being built. Um, the the antagonist Dave Bautista's character and the other people like we're we're slowly told who they are we're shown we are not 
told. Here we are mm -hmm. told and then just brought into the quantum realm. Uh, so, Chris, another aspect uh, of the movie here, we have uh, Janet Van Dyne, played by, played by Michelle Pfeiffer. So Janet Van Dyne um, is kind of a main star in this movie. Ant-Man and the Wasp in the title is really referring to the Wasp as Janet Van Dyne. <laughs> like, yeah, that's super I, annoying. I, <laughs> what did you think of that? Because the, the, through this entire movie and uh, through well, it took fifty minutes. Uh, I, I looked at, <laughs> I looked at it. I saw, I saw this this movie twice. Opening night, and then uh, I took a family member. Yeah. So fifty minutes in, before those fifty minutes, she is constantly saying she's not going to say what happened in the thirty years oh she was down God. there. She can't say who she met. She's keeping it away from her family. She is not giving us what we need in order to help her out. She's literally talking to superheroes who was fighting Thanos. <laughs> and oh. she's just like, listen, I, I, we just got to get through it. We got to find the rest of the family. I'm not, it's that, that movie trope of this all could be solved if I just tell you what's going on, you know? And that it was, was all, so annoying. Dude, Ugh, I don't, me. I don't mind. Again, it's fine. They go into the quantum realm. She was down there. She knows her way around. I get it. I get it. That's fine. She can be the Sherpa that leads them through it. Just, just say what's going on. It was just, just, just tell them you're going to be walking for three hours, like through these like mushrooms or whatever the hell they were in. Like there's not, it's not like you were just constantly running away from things. Like there was, you were literally just aimlessly walking around and came across things. It was absolutely maddening. Also, I just feel real bad for Evangeline Lily because she's the most storyline she has gotten was in the one movie that her name's not in. She has a better story arc in the first Ant-Man trying to pr like prove her trying to prove to her father that she's she's worthy of this technology and then we just don't get she's basically just like muscle in in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Again, the movie that she's in the title and this one Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, fine. It means the old, <laughs> you know, the the original Wasp. But like, the bait and switch is just really annoying because she's there, and she's the one. She's the one that they're putting on the posters, trying to drive, um, some of the promotion on there. But like, you don't give her anything to do. Like, give her something to do. I want to see that movie, where she's like pissed that Scott is getting all the attention when she's like a much more adept at going on missions things like that like that's the movie i want to see bro honestly i thought that's the movie that we were going to get i was like, okay yeah. it's called ant-man and the wasp we're being told by the people who are making the movie by the director peyton reed by kevin Feige, the president of marvel by the actors that this is ant-man and the wasp yeah. in quantum mania not just ant-man 3 you know ant-man and kang the ant-man and kang movie uh, and I felt sorry for her too because I really liked Evangeline Lily. I first saw her in Lost, loved yeah. that show. The ending, not so much. Um, but she was great. As soon as I, I saw her in that role, I'm like, okay, she she can act. She can you know portray every single emotion you want from from an actress. Mm -hmm. She can do comedy. She can, she can be funny. She can be dramatic. She can be stoic. And she kicked ass in that show as well. And then afterwards, when I heard you know she was coming up in the uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I was like, oh damn, from from Lost. Okay, I mean yeah. I know she's done other stuff as well, but uh, that was where where I was uh, I was showing her. <laughs> but yeah, in the first anime movie, I thought thought she was great. She kicked ass. She was a great uh, you know partner to Scott Lane. And mm -hmm. in the in the the movies uh, uh, following, she's she's a partner to him. I think they work really well together. She doesn't try to overshadow him or overpower him like they like you know like the way that they're doing with a lot of these. Uh, a lot of these titles where, you know, if you have, like, a certain character and another character, they try to overpower yeah. the, a, a character. You know what I mean? Um, I think they complement each other well. And even at the beginning of this movie, they show how, you know, Scott will show up with some with some lunch and, you know, she'll pop on her suit. They'll go <laughs> to the top of the... Gold Gate Bridge. One, all right, here's a positive about this movie is mm -hmm. I love their relationship where it's just like, let's just roll with it. We're gonna we're gonna go through this together. We're gonna take care of each other. It She's was a like, ride or die. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's cool that they like have a functional relationship. And that one of the it wasn't like a part of the movie that usually when there's a good real thing going on, they like to add some conflict in the relationship. Um, but no, they were rock solid the whole time. So like, all right, props to that relationship. It felt it felt believable. Again, I wish they did more where we saw more of it. But it uh, 
it was it was good you know they're good they're cute they're america's sweethearts right there in seeing that in the beginning of the movie i thought we were going to flesh that out but we really didn't the lobsters turned out to be janet <laughs> the whole yeah. time yeah uh so uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about what one of the main features of this movie you know the the people in charge of making this movie we got you know peyton reed the director you mm-hmm. know uh kevin feige the president of marvel and all mm-hmm. the major actors we're talking about how this is the kickoff the big kickoff to the game which is the next phase in marvel cinematic universe so mm-hmm. come see ant-man and Oz on the biggest screen you can this is the big kickoff so what did you think <laughs> about this movie being the big kickoff to the major game that is the next phase of marvel because to me it, it, it didn't seem like it it, it was just it, it was an ant-man movie it was fine uh, mm. and, and it was it, it was from it, it was fun but at the same time i'm like i think they oversold it in my opinion i think they grossly oversold this movie you know I, i'm and and listen people who listen to the review watch the review listen there's so many reviewers out there who are putting it to print putting it to sites putting it to to youtube videos talking about how there are certain marvel fans who made up a movie in their heads listen the direct people who when you watch interviews and read interviews literally said these things how it's the next big kickoff it's a big thing avengers level threat was being used thanos level was being used you know uh it, like these are from the people who were making the thing not people who were going to watch it but the people making the thing to oversell mm-hmm. this movie and to me i i think it did it a disservice because i went in wanting to like in this movie i went thinking okay uh, i'm hearing avengers level threat from the people i'm hearing the big kickoff to the marvel cinematic universe i'm, I'm thinking this is going to be something insane something crazy what's going to happen is is it going to be like an infinity war type thing where the heroes lose in the end we know we're getting kang further down the line kevin feige showed us the next slate of marvel there's a movie called avengers kang dynasty you know so i'm thinking okay if this is the kickoff we're about to see something incredible and it was oversold in my opinion chris what do you think yeah i i guess my big problem is that they i don't like that we know kang is the bad guy from like kind of like the get-go like how like much more fun would have been uh do you remember uh star trek into darkness yeah so where half of that, like halfway through that movie, they like there's a, a bad guy running around, whatever. And then eventually you figure out, oh, this is their interpretation of Khan. And it was like, even though you kind of saw it coming, it just it felt like a bigger like a bigger mystery, something that was like revealed to you. It was like a oh, my gosh moment. And that just wasn't here. Um, like I would have liked to have seen maybe. Maybe they didn't tell us that he was being cast as Kang the Conqueror and he's just this other guy that's there. And like maybe off the side, like maybe he wouldn't have been the main bad guy. And then this was just someone they met along the way. And then they do the reveal later. Like, like, oh, yeah, by the way, I've been trying to like uh, ride your guys' coattails so I can get out of here. And then like at the end, you find out, oh, my gosh, this dude that was with them the whole time or that they met along the way is actually like way more powerful and a way bigger threat than we realized. Like something like that, us knowing that he's the bad guy in this, it just took the wind out of the sails of of that character when we know again, it's a weird stakes thing because we know he's going to show up later. So why are they why are they blowing their load this early surge that's what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> seriously no no seriously yeah and that's a good comparison you know like i i, I like that movie despite what people say <laughs> um uh start taking the darkness but yeah that's a great I, movie. I, I do think yeah I, I liked it a lot uh i do think they did blow the lord early because you're just like wait a minute ant-man is going up against the next big threat king the conqueror how is that make sense how does that pan out yeah you know, and uh, and speaking of panning out, oh man, how did how did the comedy pan out for you, Chris? Because for for me, it, it was uh, so some of it worked. There were uh, some you know audible laughs in my in my theater. Uh, mm-hmm. Not every joke landed, but I think uh, for for some parts, I think the audio, the, you know the, the the jokes were pretty good. But for the most part, the MCU formula, it, it's too much, man. Like J- James Gunn sort of cursed us with the Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> because after that, some executive was like, that's that right there, that is our mood. That right there is what yeah. we have to do. Everyone makes jokes. Everyone's having a good time. Because if you're not joking, no one's having a good time. Everyone has to be a joke. Everyone has to be a comedian. <laughs> Let's do it. And and it really underserves, Chris, like a, a lot of the story here. I mean, you have yeah. a part where Scott Lang and Cassie are in Kang prison. 
and he walks up talking about you're interesting man scott lang and and scott says oh i don't know who you are but i'm an avenger okay i've called the rest of the avengers all right so this is this is a big deal and king's like oh you're an avenger have i killed you before and he's like what and he's like you're not the guy with the hammer are you and instead of (laughs) taking that in he just he this guy who has you in prison, who uh, obviously is super powerful, mm-hmm. just said that he has killed the Avengers. He's killed, has he killed you before? And he's talking about he's killed Thor, mm-hmm. all right? Ant-Man Scott Lang has fought alongside Thor, has seen Thor. That, that should be his buddy, right? And, and and this guy just says, oh, I've killed this guy before. <laughs> it, it, that should hold some weight. Like, you, you've, you've killed, wait, that guy? You killed that, the guy that I know. Wait, the guy with the hammer from Asgard. Are, are, are you sure? You know, but instead he's just like, oh, yeah, you know, like we get confused, you know, similar body types. Mm-hmm. And that that's funny, but I think Kang ruined the vibe. That enemy, the weight of that enemy ruined the jokes for me because I would have. Oh, really? I, I, I thought it was Scott that ruined the vibe. I, well, I, I think it, that was, that's the problem is the dichotomy of you have someone that's super, uh, super heavy villain. And then you have just silly Scott. Like, I would have rather have seen a, a sillier villain, to be honest. I think that they should have... The overall tone should have been way lighter. Like, uh, the was the, the Grandmaster from Thor Ragnarok. Like, what if like what if Bill Murray... Mm. Hell, what if Bill Murray's character was the big bad that they were up against? Like, that would have been hilarious. And that oh, that would have been great. The, that would have fit the vibe of the whole movie, right? But yeah. it was just... there was It, it, it was just, like, too too wide of a spectrum that nothing nothing just just landed like either make it a super heavy thing or make it a super light thing yeah and for an ant-man movie it it leans better to making it be a super light thing right like that's what the first ant-man movie was everyone liked it because it was light-hearted it was sort of like the little comedy of the mcu yes you know ant-man 2 had some comedy as well you know the movie overall wasn't received that well i thought it was okay i didn't really care for too much i I forgot about (laughs) it you know you know there were some funny parts people remember like the 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 car chasing in san francisco you know the the giant pez dispenser you know but it's grounded it's very grounded it is a it's your friend neighborhood like superhero and i think that works great with ant-man because we have so many giant things not everything needs to be giant because if you try to keep topping yourself it it just gets it gets weird because you can't you can't do that so you need to make some smaller stories so that when you do the big moments then they friggin come at you and hit you like a tank yeah, exactly. You know, and I think uh, you, you lean on a good point here. Like, what what was the, the mood of this thing? I mean, it it, it it is sort of this movie sort of screams of it was made by committee, right? And it, yeah. it sort of seems like it because when the credits roll and you see the people in charge of it, you got like what like two executive producers, <laughs> you got you know <laughs> Peyton Reed, the director. You, you know, there's a Marvel story group. You know, there's Kevin Feige yeah. who's supposed to be approving these things. You know, there's rumors that these things are made in a committee. There's a bunch of different – because it seems like there's so many different ideas in this movie. Okay, we have mm-hmm. the family dynamic with the, the Ant-Man family. We have the serious MCU moving forward, uh, like King of the Conqueror mm-hmm. and that threat. But we also have, you know, the Young Avengers with uh, Cassie Lang. <laughs> you know, and we have the the whole, you know, like f- father story and and, do- and daughter. The, y- the young wolf and cub story that's yeah. really been plaguing entertainment. Like, listen, we have enough of those stories of a grown person, a young person. Like, okay, we get it. It's popular. It's it's it caught. Like we've got enough of those stories, and and it seemed like they wanted everything in this movie, yeah. and it just bounced up and down, and it was crazy. So you have, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the father and daughter. You have Cassie who's in jail. Like Scott goes to break her out, but Scott wasn't even there first. It was Hope first. What's that relationship like? Yeah. Like, are, have they been getting along? Have uh, what, what's great? We we have no time to flesh out these characters, you know. And then you know we, we find out she's been making this thing with the grandparents. I, I, well, with, with just with Hank. Uh, what what's that been like? You know, just like you said earlier, we she refers to them as grandpa and grandpa. Uh, we, we don't. When did that, that relationship? They want us to care. But how can we? We don't know this Cassie. We spend barely an amount of time with her. And in the beginning, she's a little shit. Like, she's such... Like, Cassie went from this, like, cute little girl who everybody loved to, like, this insufferable brat. And... (laughs) There and I've I've seen it from I'm not a, not a parent myself I'm an uncle but I've seen you know some parents do reviews in in which they 
don't care for that because okay, you want this to be a young Avenger. You want you know like you're 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 a little girl, you know, yeah. to to look up to to cast into these younger Avengers, right? You know, and the, and I remember seeing this dad talk about how I mean, my old girl could look up to Miss Marvel. I thought that was great. She looked up to some of the other heroes, you mm -hmm. know, Wakanda Forever, all, all the women in there to look up to. But but uh, you we want my daughter to take after Cassie. She's giving her dad shit. She's she's asking, well, oh, you saved the world, but what have you done lately? Oh, you're telling me what to do? Like what? Yes, rude like, as hell. It, 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 so so <laughs> fucking rude. I mean, yeah. and, and 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 you felt it too because in the car when he was breaking her out from from uh, from prison. Uh, from jail like you know she was just like oh you were telling me what to do like trust me I I've known what to do like, for a long time now and he was like ouch Jesus yeah like, I I not his I fault I've been yeah, like, well, a little bit, of, yeah, a little bit of his fault he okay yeah okay yeah, he was, you, know, <laughs> you know but but he but he they tried, don't rectify that they, they, yeah, make it, he, they make it seem that the reason she's mad is because he was gone because he was stuck in the quantum realm so that's that's weird I mean if you're gonna throw jail at him throw jail at him also where's her mom the, they they have Judy yeah. Greer playing her mom. She's yeah. amazing. Where was she this whole time? Why why is all of a sudden she transplanted into this other family? Ugh. It's 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 weird. It's it's I think it's committee. I think it's having your cake and eat it too, and it doesn't really work. I think moving forward, hopefully that that Bob Iger is back back now. I think maybe some good changes will happen because. Mm -hmm. This streams of like, because this was made around the time of like Bob Chapek, and there was like so many rumors of, uh, you know, like him putting like business people in charge where they should yeah. not have been in charge, making the Disney distribution group and like stuff where Kevin Feige couldn't even say what Marvel property can go where. He didn't have a choice of what went on Disney Plus, what went on the big screen. You know, it's the same mm -hmm. with Pixar. You know, like Bob Chapek and and business suits were 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 doing that, and Pixar was was notably pissed about certain things going straight to disney plus um mm -hmm. so this sort of reeks of like executive suit committee making things and it sucks because we we like the marvel cinematic universe i mean it, it inspires some awe and magic and imagination you know like the early on phases where we're cooking they were doing some stuff i mean uh, people were free to talk crap about dc because they weren't doing anything as creative anything as yeah. great and the reason why we love the characters is because we got to know them in a grounded sort of sense they weren't insufferable a-holes like you make these people i mean I mean, uh, you want us to like Cassie, you know, like Catherine Newton. Also, uh, shout outs to Peyton Reed. I think you need to tighten up a bit as a director because, okay, Catherine Newton, I don't think this is her fault. She had like one expression the entire movie, you know, yeah. like if, if, if you were to take like screenshots and put her happy, sad, distraught, all it, the same, just all the same, <laughs> all the same. And, and and the jokes they give her, I I don't think land, uh, you know, let, let's, let's go into uh, one, of the, one of the big jokes in the movie, Chris Modoc. You know, mechanized organism designed only for killing. So, Modoc is introduced in this movie. You know, I'm not going to pretend to be a huge, like, Modoc fan. I do think it's ridiculous the, the, the way they had him in here. It's absolutely wild. It is insane to me. And I said this in my spoiler free review how they created Modoc, this visual effects weird thing where they took the actor's face, Corey Stoll's face, and just stretched it. <laughs> as an asset over a 3D thing. I was like, you have got to be. And I heard it was a rumor. And then when I went, went and then when he was revealed in the movie on opening night, I was like, you've got to be kidding. Dude, me. It looked Someone like they the shot him on VHS and then stretched <laughs> the image. It looked terrible. Bro. Like this is the Marvel cinematic, like Ugh. an over, an over 200 plus million dollar movie, like, like billion dollar company in Disney. Uh, you you oh have multiple visual effects houses working on this thing. You know, and we'll talk about that in in a little bit. And th that's really the best idea you could have had for Modoc. Like, come on! And why do they use? I don't. I don't get why they they used. It felt so shoehorned in. Like, I don't mind if they have a Modoc in, but first of all, a make him look better, and secondly, like you're in the quant the quantum realm. Like, it could be anyone. Modoc could just be a crazy guy, and probably would have been more charming, to be perfectly honest, than this yeah. dude who's just annoying. But like and, not and, not intentionally annoying, dude. And we, we, we get the big reveal that it's uh, Darren. What do you think about that? I I didn't like it. <laughs> like <laughs> I uh, I don't mind. Like if they came down and he was just there, like all right, that would have been fine. Like what if he was the what if he was the the, the role of the herald and being like they run into him and they're he's like oh my god you guys are down here you can't believe what's going on. Like what if he was um. 
what if they ran into him with with like in the in the group of of refugees like that would have been fine i'm fine with him being in the movie but like that it's so it was just so bizarre um yeah i don't know modok man it's such a bizarre (laughs) character and again juxtaposed against kang it was like why if you have kang why are you bothering with this dude modok Thank you. Yes. Why are we trying to like like shoehorn another care- like committee? I swear, yeah. committee, because this was some important person's idea, and it, it was shoehorned in there just to appease them or something. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's so weird because if you take out Modoc, the movie is the same. It does not. Yeah. Change. It. It, it, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't. Like like he even, could even have the been ending. the big bad of the movie. That would have yeah. been better. Again, right? yeah. Kang on the side. Kang, you have a reveal later. But Modoc could be the, the the guy. Like that's super silly. That would have been awesome. That fight. Oh my god, that would have been great. Yeah. Play up the goofy angle. Like play up the the genius who builds a whole bunch of stuff down there. But like technological yeah. advances in the quantum realm. I mean, he he was a smart guy yeah. when he was up in our world. I mean, uh, he even talked about it. he built a lot down there. You know, all for him. And uh, man, it just really didn't land for me. I don't know what adult was not it in the room when me out. kids were playing with these Legos and leaving them everywhere. And it's just like, wait, what is this leftover? That's in the movie. I mean, Kevin Ugh. Feige, man, I, I I implore Kevin Feige really. Like, now that Barb Iger is back, I hope he has more <laughs> more say in what goes on because there was a rumor that he didn't have as much say with, with when Bob Chapek was around. Yeah. It was left to certain business people, and I I think it shows. I really do. Modoc was a huge miss. Um, hey, more power, but to people out there, I've seen who said they, they liked it. It was just goofy, fun, the Modoc thing. Uh, uh, it just it just didn't work. He, he was just so, he stuck out like a sore thumb, and it was just weird. Yeah. It was just way too, and not in a good way. Okay, Him I, being a general for Kang, like, that's just bizarre. Like, come on, man. Like, it's it's the, the two of them, again, if there was no Kang, then I think Modoc would have shined more. Um, if there was no Modoc, it would have been a better movie. Yeah, that's a, like it's like one or the other. <laughs> and, and with Modoc, we have like sort of like the long going. I mean, uh, man, like I know like Peyton Reed's a certain kind of director, and the people who make the Ant Man stuff or, or comedy as well. We got Rick and Morty writers on this thing, but the ongoing joke that that Darren, you know, like uh, Modoc is is a dick. Like we we get it, all right. Have you guys not watched <laughs> SNL and see the reviews of jokes that go on for way too long, skits that go on for way too long? Yeah, it's we we, we get it. He looks a certain way. He's a, and they just mashed it. It, the, just a dead horse just being beat over and over again. It was the, the obvious it was the obvious way to go about that character and it just came off the wrong way. Yeah. It's like it was like uh, you know, Taika Waititi's uh, screaming ghost, people laughed in the theater the first time, second time, and it's like oh, okay, yes, we get okay, oh, the ghost. No, my wife fun. laughed every single time. She loved it. <laughs> God every, bless literally <laughs> every single time. <laughs> I, I know someone as well who who laughed every single time the screaming ghost. <laughs> hey, it, it listen, but that movie everybody. The vibe of that move, the vibe of Thor: Love and Thunder, was the vibe they should have gone for here and not broken it. Yeah, and, but they just didn't know what to do. So, so seriously, I mean, it, you can't have this this serious tone where you have to kick off the Marvel Cinematic Universe and you have Ant Man who's known for being goofy. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. So uh, we, we have this long, ongoing storyline where Janet Van Dyne was down in the, in the quantum realm for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, she comes back, and she hasn't talked about it. She just wants to have her normal life as a grandma, as, as the wife, you know, as, as a mother. Uh, when they get down there, she just constantly just says she can't talk about him. And they, oh, man, the movie does this thing where they keep belonging to him, to him, to him, him. You left us with him. Oh, we left it. It's like, we know who it is. Why? This is so weird. It's like, it, you, you can't. Have this movie exist in a bubble no. where you act like the audience doesn't know who you're talking about. Yeah. And you allude to him for over 50-some minutes, over half of the movie. And then you start seeing the storyline. They should have just cut to, when the guy in the Contour Realm, or even beforehand, the storyline with Janet and Kang. Because I thought that was actually interesting, showing him crash. Showing him yeah. saying, oh, what, what is this place? You know, them helping each other out, trying to escape. I thought that Chris was actually some pretty good stuff. Like, what do you think of the right? Kang that was a good Janet? self. That was a self, a great self-contained little movie. If like they had stretched that vibe out, <laughs> that's a better movie. That's what I'm talking about. He lands. They work together, trying to figure out how to fix the ship. They eventually get there, and halfway through the story, there's the flip where she realizes this guy's the bad guy. Like that's an engaging little snippet of what's going on there, but that's not that's not the whole movie. Uh, 
Yeah. What ex- what could have been, Serge? What could have been? Absolutely, abs- <laughs> absolute L, absolute L. Um, what did you think of the of the the other characters, the uh, the rebels? Uh it literally just felt like Thor. It felt like Thor Ragnarok, or mm. or the Guardians of the Gal, like the extra characters from Guardians of the Galaxies. It wasn't anything new that we haven't seen before. We didn't spend any time with them, so it like what did it matter? At the end, when there was a big fight, I was like, "I don't, I don't care." There's this Jello guy that's basically Meek from Thor Ragnarok. Like, it was just so. It was just weird. I, I, it's like an AI analyzed all the Marvel movies and then decided this was the script that we're gonna roll with. Like, what did people <laughs> like? People like these ones. All right, let's throw that into this movie. Uh, what did people like about? Uh, Wakanda. Oh, they like the cool flying ships. Cool. We're going to throw that in this movie. Um, it was just, it's just weird. It's just, it was weird. I wouldn't be surprised if they did reuse assets like uh, you're pointing out in one of our other, one of our other uh, talks here, you know, like, and it's a good <laughs> point out, right? Like the, the Wakandan army, it looks like some of those, like, even some of the ships look the same. They just put gold on them. Just you know, swap the, blue. just swap the assets out. Literally, I feel, it looks like the same shots from, uh, from the Black Panther movie, from them it, gearing up to it, fight, I, I wouldn't be surprised, Chris, because there is an <laughs> there's an article out now from Vulture that I I, I really implore everyone to read. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's called "Honestly, I Equate It to Human Greed" by Chris Lee, who's a senior Ooh. reporter there. Um, it, what this article is about, and this really gives an insight. Um, he talks to visual effects artists who work on Marvel movies, who mm-hmm. have worked on Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. And uh, he got them to talk out of uh, um, what's it called uh, anonymity? Mm-hmm. Uh, God, I forget the name. Anyway, so so he made them anonymous, yeah, um, for fear of them getting fired, for fear of them not working in the industry. So he gives them sort of monikers. And on uh, basically in this Vulture article by Chris Lee, he talks to them and they sort of give an insight to how they it's 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 bad it's really bad yeah. the story of, of this movie being made the story of other marvel movies uh being made i mean just not being given uh good direction there, there's a snippet here uh where they talk about how the director paint reed really wasn't forthcoming with what he wanted Ugh. and it's really really a huge miss so uh there's a part here um where this guy, the moniker of Connor, has worked as a visual effects artist on several of the biggest superhero movie franchises of the last decade, including a number of Marvel's biggest blockbusters. Mm-hmm. During post-production on Quantumania, the effects house employing him was concurrently working on uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, so he says, well, Wakanda Forever took precedence. It felt like the higher-ups in supervisor roles were shifted around to put that on their plates, and there were, and there were smaller teams working on Ant-Man, Quantumania. It was on the back burner, less of a pressing thing. Maybe the director had an idea of what he wanted, but he wasn't 100% clear. Talking about Peyton Reed, the director mm. of this movie. We had a rough environment that we were sticking a few main characters in. At that time, we weren't told where the characters should be in that environment. We were just going with what felt right. Are that you explains a kidding lot. Kidding me? That this and, is some of the for, worst green screen I've ever seen, man. It's. There's yeah. there's some like uh, there's a moment where Janet is reaching out to touch that giant moth thing, and it looks her hand. First of all, her hand is clearly touching nothing. Like it wasn't like they took like a a a, a green beach ball to superimpose uh, the moth thing at it. It was she was reaching the air, and she's supposed to be touching this thing, and it looked terrible. Everyone in like half the movie had this weird glow around them that seemed to be covering up the fact that there was um it was being, you know, masked by a green screen. It was ugh, it's it's rough. The backgrounds move at a different at like a different angle and different ratio of the characters, so it's like super clear, like a like a poor version of when people are riding in a car and you see you can clearly see they're just sitting and like, but the streets are moving, and on outside the car, it was like that. But just, it was just rough. There's just no sets. The one thing I cracked up about is that if in the uh, in the credits, there was only one person got credit as a set director for this, and I was like, well, there was wow. only, there was only one set, and it was oh in uh, it was in Hank Pym's basement. Good God, it was just like 
that's the problem is they keep they keep trying to make the, these movies bigger and bigger. Like, imagine if it wasn't like, what if it actually was a smaller movie with a smaller budget? They didn't need to do every single shot was just like thousands of dollars worth of VFX. Like, what if he was just walking down the street like the beginning of the movie? Like, that doesn't that's less expensive to make. They should plan these out, being like, all right, we're going to make this really big, huge VFX movie, and then we're going to have another one that's going to roll them back a little bit just to cut down on the demand. And that's not what's happening. They just want more, 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 more. And now the the visual effects industry is just buckling under its own weight because there's just not enough people to do the work, and then they they have to cut corners. They have to. I don't blame the artists for this at all. Yeah. They're under impossible circumstances. It's nuts. And, and it's showing, and it's really, really showing. I mean, the article talks about basically how, you know, they're, they're, they're bullied into, like, meeting these deadlines. The mm-hmm. executives just say, this is what's going to happen. And, uh, they you know, the artists say, well, we can't say anything against that for fear of being fired, for fear of not being, you know, like, able to work again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also talk about how, you know, they, they use, like, like the volume, right? A huge version of the volume to, to do these things. I mean, all the actors talk about it. Michael Douglas in the red carpet was saying how, you know, we used to use green screen. Now there's a big LED wall, you know. Uh, you know, he, he said, you know, there was one the size of a football field, essentially. And they were, you know, just making stuff in there. And it looks like it, too. When you watch the movie, it looks like like characters are placed and then there's like a background that's yeah. like a zoom call background and you find out that you know some of these visual effects houses were had people sleeping under their desks just trying Ugh. to get the job done which is disgusting people shouldn't be sleeping at work in order to work there and no. to do their job and to get it done you know this is not a promising start for the next phase of marvel because if the movies are looking like this because there's so much pressure there's so much visual effects i mean it, something has to change and hopefully bob Iger. Like mm-hmm. sets it right. I don't think we'll see that for a while, but hopefully he sets it right because you have certain lines in here. This last thing we say from this article, I really implore everyone to read this thing from Vulture because it's it's terrible, man. You have long story short, visual effects artists saying, "Hey, I, I worked in this. I worked on this movie specifically. There were so mm-hmm. many things that seemed out of place, seemed wrong, seemed weird." Um, this this other visual effects artist says uh, there were times when we were creating an actor's entire action, Ant Man moving across something, and you just think. Why didn't they just film this the right way or how they wanted it in the first place? Why are we having to redo and recreate? Why do we have to Frankenstein together an actress performance? A quick shot that maybe takes two seconds would have to be redone 20 times to oh get the look that they want. There was a lot of reworking, a lot of inefficiency, and I ended up taking over and reworking a large portion of other artists' work, which is not how things usually go when you're working for other studios. I mean... Like people like that talking about how they have to step in and do certain things just because, you know, like they're so overworked. They're not given the direction from the director. They're not mm. given w- what they needed. And Marvel just essentially in this article just like bullies these houses and bullies these people just to get the job done. I mean, people shouldn't be sleeping under their desk to get. Their- no, it's, it's ridiculous. No one should be sleeping at work. Absolutely not. Yeah, it's it's, it's terrible. So. Man, I, I don't know. Like, if this is the, the kickoff for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's it's to me, it's it's not looking too good. We have you know subpar looking visual effects too. I I will give them credit. Not all the visual effects were bad. There are some good looking moments. Um, I really did like the moment where they where they first blasted into the quantum realm, Chris and uh, Scott gets Cassie, puts on his costume, gets really big, drops down. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that looked really good. You know, and then he was, and then they're like, wait, is that a son? And it starts attacking him. He grows really <laughs> large and starts fighting it. That looked the giant dangerous. man stuff was pretty cool. Yeah, the yeah. giant man stuff was was really good. Uh, you know, which which brings us to to our next thing here. Sort of the breaking the rules of their own cinematic universe, their own timelines, their own everything. Again, by committee having their cake and eat it too for certain <laughs> things. Chris, how do you feel? Because this, this is a pet peeve of mine, and I talked to a friend of the show, the Rob Logan over at Geek Generation, about mm. this because uh, he's a huge comic book fan too, along with our buddy uh, Booster Greg heroes constantly having their helmets off all the time especially when it doesn't make any all the time not not making any sense because the executives want to see the actors that they paid for they want to put them on posters they need to like get snippets for marketing they need to see the, the dollars the bucks the cents because their helmets come off all the time i know <laughs> all 
all the t- even when they're even when they're fighting King, it's it's just like a punch here, punch there. Helmet comes off. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you? What makes no sense? You know, even the moment where you know, like like uh, Cassie's being chased by Modog, and mm-hmm. she gets really large. Oh, hope this works. Press the button, gets really large, and she sees off in the distance her dad uh, Scott Lang really large. She's trying to attack the the King compound. Both their helmets come off. Didn't we establish that the suit needs to be on so it, it, because it protects them because the way Pym particles work and such? But here they are, both their helmets off. That should kill them. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, fine. I, I don't bump on it as – I don't bump on the logic of it. Like, whatever. But it's it's still just, just weird. Like, you have the suit and the whole point of your powers is the suit. But then you – but then you take it off all the time, but you still do the thing that the suit's supposed to make you do. But if the suit's not complete, <laughs> what does that mean? So now we're going in circles about the logic. It's weird. Yeah. Um, ugh, I, it was, again, I, I wish that there was a part of the, more of this movie where they weren't in the quantum realm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if you want the actors I, to I have that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I will. Here's what I'm going to say about this movie, though. I will say... For the most part, I had a. It was a fun ride to watch the movie. Like, do I think it? I, I think that if it was supposed to kick off, uh, phase five, I wish the weight wasn't behind it. Again, if if the weight wasn't behind it, this would have been a perfectly fine start, right? If it was just here's a silly beginning thing to it, just like you know, mm-hmm. like um, uh, Black Widow, right? Like Black Widow was a fun movie. There was what were the stakes behind it? There really wasn't many stakes. We saw her at what happens after the movie. That's fine, but at least it was a fun ride. It didn't break anything. It just it was what it was. But I just think I don't like where this fits in the grand scheme of what's of what's to come. If it was if it wasn't as much weight behind it, and it was just a fun, silly adventure. Like that would have been a fun way to usher in this, but they had to bring Kang in and they had to make him this huge epic villain um, that there are 8 billion of anyways. So uh, again, kind of takes the weight out of the one version that we saw here. It's all weird. It's all weird, man. I don't know where they're going with it. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree with you. If, if they didn't oversell this movie as the grand kickoff to the Marvel Cinematic Universe's mm-hmm. next phase of movies coming down the line, movies and TV shows, and just did a sort of like anime movie where they had a goofier villain, you know, or I think it would have been better received. Because, I mean, hey, there are people who do like this movie a lot. Um, I've seen some reviews where people talk about how it was just a fun ride. You know, you, you see some casual movie goer fans who aren't really mm-hmm. Marvel fans who just, who, but like the movies, they, they go and see them. They said, Hey, this is fine. I had fun. And, uh, that's it. <laughs> but the funny <laughs> thing is with those people, when you start asking questions about the movie, they're like, yeah, I really didn't like that. Yeah. I liked it. <laughs> oh yeah. That was kind of goofy. Yeah, it's just like, okay. So, so when you start using some actual critical thinking, you start to realize that maybe there is some, when you pull on a thread, it yeah. starts unraveling the tapestry there. And yeah. Hey, more power to people who just listen. You just want to get out from work. Get a drink, turn your brain off, go see the movie. And and for me, seeing the movie for, for a second time with family, I, I, I was more uh, liquored up. You know, we had some uh, <laughs> we had some stuff uh, beforehand. We had some stuff to eat. And, uh, you know, I, I found it to be a better the, – the, the, the more inebriated I was, it, it was, it was a much better time that, that I had. So not as if to say that – I, I, think, I think, you know, that's sort of a disservice to the people who worked hard making the movie. It's just like, oh, hey, you're – you know, because if you were ever to meet these people, be like, hey, I enjoyed the movie the second time when my brain was more functioning <laughs> on a lower level than it was when I wasn't fucking inebriated from alcohol. Like, I loved it when my brain was banged up and swimming in, in a vat of alcohol, and I really didn't have to think at all whatsoever <laughs> about the thing you made. So thank you for that. It was a nice little Listen, distraction to get out a, of the house for a little bit. There's a place in the movies for both the Banshees of Anna Sharon and Cocaine Bear, is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, it's okay. That's we can great. have these movies that have different tones. And I wish, again, I wish this didn't have the big-budget Marvel tone. It was the smaller Ant-Man good time feel so like we can do it just make let's let let's let some directors kind of do the small thing let's silo things off a little bit so that 
you can bring things together in a big moment later and do the big Marvel thing. But let's do the small moments so we can capture and learn these characters and learn what they're about and maybe have some different style movies. Let's add a little bit of, of diversity to the way that we tell the stories um, instead of just the over-the-top Marvel thing, which is now apparently all multiverses and ridiculous Doctor Strange <laughs> visuals that look like Inception over and over again. So, so seriously, we don't have to have like big stakes for everything. I mean, you wanted this movie to kick off and have the big stakes. I think what they should have done was this be a smaller Ant-Man movie, mm-hmm. maybe with MODOK, like you said, and have Kang have his own movie. They haven't done a Marvel like villain Ooh. movie, you know, like maybe maybe do that because if he's this big threat, this big thing, I mean, like kick it off like from Loki, right? The movie starts mm-hmm. off with the events from Loki or it starts off with, you know, the, the Council of Kangs, like, you know, we, we see him banished and stuff or you know just just do like a character piece because the good thing about king is is that he doesn't think that he's a Mm -hmm. villain he was talking about how he sees what the other hymns were doing (laughs) in the multiverse you know playing with timelines like children so i had to call them and and believe me you need me you know so and the best villains in cinematic history and even tv don't think that they're villains so i think what they should have done was you know what sony's kind of trying to do and failing at um, especially with stuff like that, uh, <laughs> is to like highlight the baddie and really focus on that. I think they should have done that. Uh, and one of the last things here, Chris, what do you think of uh, people comparing this to Star Wars in a in a positive way? Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh, again, Gar- I think Guardians of the Galaxy to Star Wars is a much better feel. And again, this was kind of like I can't believe it's not Guardians of the Galaxy to be honest. So, uh, no. Uh, it's it's too it it's too weird. <laughs> I love me my Star Wars. I like I like some of Ant Man, <laughs> but yeah, nah. it, it's being compared to uh, it's uh, it's uh, Star Wars meets the MCU. And uh, when asked for a clarification, there was a reviewer who said, "Oh, like the original trilogy." Nah. No, no, <laughs> just, just, just no. You have just... your opinion. I also have my opinion. <laughs> That you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can think of is, uh, you know, they literally made like, like a, a cantina. You know, that's supposed to be like their most lively oh, like, yeah. spaceport. Like, yeah. But other than that, I mean, I, but I've seen so many times people talk about, oh, yeah, it's, it's sort of like, like a, there's like Marvel Star Wars. I'm like, no, stop. We, we, need, to, mm, we yeah. need to stop. Stop it, please. That's so disingenuous. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, hey, I've said Best for Robinson has 75 different flavors for a reason. <laughs> we all like different things, right? You know, every ice cream shop sells vanilla, but they also sell sprinkles in different flavors as well. So uh, I don't need yep. everyone to dislike the movie. I don't need everyone to like the movie. You know, if you like it, I think that's perfectly fine. You know, we can all like uh, uh, different things. I certainly like certain things people don't like. But uh, a point I wanted to get at to close out here is that I think that we can, as geeks, as nerds of, mm-hmm. of these properties who really do enjoy these things, right? I talked about how in my non-sport review that, you know, I mm-hmm. don't want Marvel to fail as a fan of these movies and other, you know, sort of geek properties, Chris. So I, I want them to do better. I like when they make good stuff. You know, I liked Civil War, Infinity War. You know, I like the first Iron Man movie. I like Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. as a comedy movie. You know, there's certain things to really like about Marvel. And when you sort of do critiques and you sort of put out there that you want them to do better and you sort of like point out things that are wrong, there's often this weird thing within the geekdom that people just say, just enjoy the thing. You're being too nitpicky. You're being too precious. Just, it's fun. Dislike it. Just stop critiquing it in a negative way. We just have to (laughs) fucking like it. Just like it. And and to that I say it's... no, 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 no. There, there was a guy, uh, Adam Stewart, who really pointed this out on Twitter. W. Adam. Uh, there's nothing wrong with defending more. With, there's nothing wrong with demanding more from a series that makes $500 million plus with each film. Why are you accepting meteor stuff when Disney has the money to make great films? I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Like, this is a billion-dollar corporation making these things. They have yeah. the resources to pull in people who know what they're doing. They have resources to pay visual effects arts and people the right amount of money, even though it seems like it's not the case. They have the, the means to do these things, and some things just fall to the wayside. There are good pieces to this movie, but the way it came together just didn't work for me. Chris, what do you think about, and this is the last thing we're talking about, the, the critique of, hey, just like the thing. You, don't, don't um, just like. I think that Marvel's kind of buckling under its own expectation setting. 
Um, because think of, so obviously Marvel's a huge franchise. Um, but also think of like the fast and the furious, like the fast and the furious is also a gigantic multi-million, probably billion dollar franchise, but they know what they are and they make these just over the top silly movies and they know what their audience is. That's the kind of thing where you just, they, people, there's like, you know what? People just want to see like jacked guys driving ridiculous cars and like flip them on and just do crazy stuff with it. And that's okay because that's the market that they're going for, right? But with Marvel, we've now hit this moment with Endgame where there's this giant space opera and it was great and they built up to it and it was wonderful and it was earned because they spent so much time building up to that. But they spent 20 years building up to that. And now they're trying to recapture that Infinity War Endgame magic again, but they don't have 20 years worth of standalone movies behind it. So I think they need to stop, again, to stop trying to top yourself. Just do something a little different. And then don't tell me this is the massive start to the most, the next huge epic thing when the majority of the movie is just kind of like a silly quest, a silly adventure movie, which would have been fine if it was actually all the elements work together to be a silly adventure movie instead of being like, we're going to introduce the biggest, baddest dude we've ever seen before. Um, so yeah, I'm going to blame Disney's marketing. Disney's marketing puts things in the place where it is opening itself to critique when it doesn't meet the expectations of what they're trying to promise us. So Chris, the, uh, the post credits in here, the, the mid credits scene, we got two of them. Um, mm-hmm. we see a bunch of Kings, right? We, mm-hmm. we see, uh, three main Kings and, um, they're, they're guys from the comics. You guys can look up like there's many YouTube videos of like comic group YouTubers who <laughs> point those out. But uh, we see uh, three main ones talking to each other, talking about the one that died in the, you know, the one that they got exiled mm-hmm. to the quantum realm and how like uh, uh, the, the middle guy has called everyone, every single one of them to the Council of Kings to talk about, I guess, the future of, of Marvel. And then you see like a bunch of Kings teleporting in, sort of using the same looking effect from when Reed Richards portaled in yep. in uh, the spider-man movie again reusing assets that's great um <laughs> and then you see and it goes up into like the stands you see different kinds of kings there's one that looks so, sort of like a scroll uh there's an alien looking one there's the regular john of the major looking one and they're all screaming and yelling and whooping and hollering what did you think about that it was i mean it was okay again i don't know where they're going with this i don't know much about kang myself um so like how is this all gonna crescendo into one big thing i want now i'm wondering if when they say kang dynasty if the big finale is gonna be them having to go get this version of kang that has been exiled further and then bring him in to fight all the other kangs what if they do a bait and switch on that front yeah and that's the finale is kang versus all the kangs because cause do would... we think that the king, the conqueror that's defeated here through, you know, this his little scuffle in the fight with mm. Scott Lang in which he just put a, a bunch of, you know, Pym tech onto his core, like, uh, whatever, you know, like, <laughs> like, do we think he's dead? Do you think he's gone? Like, what do you think? Uh, nobody. He's coming back. Mm. That's that's what happens. He got he got pimmed away. So he's he can come back. That's that's just how these things work. Um, well, yeah, what, do you think of that, I, what do you think of that the ending uh, fight scene by the way uh, it was fun it was pretty it, I mean it was so one thing I will say about that final fight scene we're used to just giant you know like superhuman people shooting beams at each other and this was just kind of like a, a knockdown, drag out fist to fist fight that we really haven't seen too too much of in marvel so uh hey there's another positive thing right there that we got to see a fight that was a little different just two dudes hey, duking it out it. yeah so like yeah okay sure that's fine um it was good the message was good i just need i just need you not to win we just both need to lose all right that's fine um but yeah i don't know i don't know what's gonna happen with all these kangs man same. I mean, and then you have uh, Hank Pym coming in with a bunch of ants. The ants have lived for millions of civilizations in another part of the quantum realm, and here they come like Starship Troopers. <laughs> like yeah. like the bugs and Starship Troopers. Here we go. And Kang the Conqueror, who's supposed to be the next big bad uh, in this movie, gets defeated by a bunch of very smart ants. He It's very Deus all... Ex Machina. Where just like, I yep. was like, 
I was like, this is the fucking stupidest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like this guy who's <laughs> supposed to, they literally said this movie, he has technology centuries ahead of anything we've seen before. And when put up against like ants who have like, lived a lifetime of thousands of years, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he puts up a bubble and that's it. Oh, I got a bubble. Boop. Yeah. And then here comes Modoc. Oh, I'm not a dick. Oh, and then blows him up. And then uh, there, there he goes. And then they, his suit gets destroyed. So he has to have a fist fist fight with Amy because how can Scott Lang possibly go up against a guy who's conquered timelines yeah you know get rid of his suit get rid of his power but he's still whooping his ass i it was such a goofy fucking ending to me oh my god fire your damn rider yes we're to fire your damn rider stupid ants um <laughs> but, but yeah anyway um so yeah so the, the post credit post credit scene there um like uh, yeah yeah so get a guy adam i think like the egyptian looking king is the oldest one yeah there are different iterations of the comics uh mm-hmm. i've researched that He's he's been around in different timelines all throughout time, the Egyptian time and stuff like that. So there's that. Um, there there's a view that I have with certain other black uh, creators in the mm-hmm. geek space who didn't look at that mid credit scene too fondly. It seemed a bit too sort of minstrel show for my liking. Mm. A bit too uh, to have. Um, this uh, black actor sort of uh, monkeying about, if you will, in the stands. It looked a bit too weird to me. The first time I saw it, I was like, hmm, you got him hooping and hollering and carrying it on like that. I was like, hmm, that looks kind of strange to me. I kind of didn't like that. Maybe within the context of other actors and other people, it might look right. I mean, if it was like Scott Lang doing it, obviously it would look different. But because, and I, and I think this lends to, you know, if it was... <laughs> If it was all the people in charge of uh, of Black Panther, they, they wouldn't have Jonathan Majors be looking at acting like that <laughs> no. because because with certain people, and especially with black people, like like doing certain action things like looks kind of uh, looks kind of off. So I thought to me, and I agree with, and I've seen other black creators talk about this that it looked uh, kind of off there. Like Ryan Krugler wouldn't have like thousands of kings in an arena just like hooping and hollering and, and howling like that. I, I seriously don't think so. I yeah. think what should have happened was sort of what happens in the comics. Like, you know, there's a king that's put on trial, you know, like like this king. Um, you don't see them all yet. It gets slower to reveal. It's sort of like a dark room and it's slow to reveal. Then you see all these like serious stares, you know, with them, like some with their hands behind their back, some with mm-hmm. their hands just down in front, just sort of judging. Just intellectually yeah. looking down. They're all powerful. They're all super smart. Just looking down, not carrying on like like kids at a you yeah. know insert famous artist here concert. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, uh, I because because like 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 Kang's promise is that he's super intelligent, but I, I don't really think they they sort of implemented that here. No, um, I think of I mean and think of how they do it in like so a similar large like huge amount of. Uh, of folks that are actually like trying to get hyped up. Think about how that they actually do that in black Panther where that feels mm. like it, it doesn't feel like chaos, right? It's it, like they have the call and answer in there and it feels less. You're right. just less weird. Um, you know, not being a black guy. I did certainly did not bump on that, but <laughs> certainly pointing that out. Yeah. That's real weird. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. There's certain that you know. Some people were like, "Oh yeah, Ryan Coogler would have done." <laughs> yeah, Ryan <laughs> like, Ryan Coogler did the better version of that in his movies. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the last, very last thing here, Chris, the end credit scene, the mm. commercial for the Disney Plus show Loki. <laughs> <laughs> we have um, we have uh, a version of King. Some people are whoops. Hit the, hit, hit the end button. Uh, we have a version of King. Some people think it's the the King that we saw get defeated by Scott there in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, Back in the day, back in maybe the 1800s, early 1900s of America, talking about time and has a contraption up on stage. We cut to the crowd. It's Owen Wilson and uh, Tom Hiddleston. We see the guys from from the Loki show talking about, oh, he doesn't look that scary. And you see Loki like, no, he is. And he's terrified. What do you think (laughs) of that? The little commercial for Disney Plus is Loki season two. Uh, Legit got me hyped for Loki season two because uh, because that show is pretty good. Is there was, you know, it was like. It was like three quarters of a real good show. A couple weird episodes in there, but for the most part, um, <laughs> interesting story. And I do want to see, I do want to see the conclusion because that show was written as a full arc, but they only were able to do about half of the story that they had planned on. So I want to, I'm, I'm excited to see what that second half is because it sounds like it is one complete arc from start to finish. So that makes me pleased for what we'll see there. 
Nice. Yeah, I, I'm with you too. I, I was like low key, <laughs> low key excited for hey. it. Whoa, <laughs> pun intended. Yeah, vibes. Um, but uh, yeah, at the same time, I was just like, it, I was just, I, I, it sort of felt hollow to me because I was just like, wait a minute, I, I sort of like this, but at the same time, like this is a commercial <laughs> for your next pro, like, like oh man, like, like so was this whole movie just a setup for your next thing? <laughs> uh, I so dislike that with Marvel. Like, listen, how can we enjoy the current thing? When you're constantly just giving us a commercial for the next thing, it's like, hey, be excited for the next thing, be excited for the next Yes, we're all we were always excited for the next thing. Just we want the next thing mm-hmm. to be good. Have it stand in its own two legs. So to me, it kind of felt like, all right, this is a whole setup for the next one. Make sure you want to watch Evan Quantumania because Loki season two <laughs> is coming. But yeah. Yeah, I guess it would have it probably also would have hit better if it wasn't like if this wasn't a Kang movie and then they throw that extra credit scene at the end of a different movie where it was like we didn't just get inundated <laughs> with a billion kangs in a uh, like a stadium and him being the big bad out there um, s- s- seriously dude because the last the last thing i'll say in the run here is is that you know you want us to care about the next big bad about king the conqueror but mm-hmm. he he's dust in this movie i mean we don't see a body like you said so you know like no body might not be dead but he gets he is defeated way too easily and you want us to actually, you know, sink our teeth into the next king? I mean, mm-hmm. are we just going to go through kings? Is that is that what we're doing <laughs> with this next phase? I mean, this this was supposed to be King the Conqueror, mm-hmm. the guy, and and he's gone away, and then the Wasp defeated him. So, uh, if, if this guy was defeated, I mean, I, I don't see the rest of them as a threat. Is there a king in every Wasp movie coming him? up? Is that what's going to happen? Just disposable <laughs> kings, you know? Yeah, Kang the second conqueror who just disposable kings. I mean, absolutely. No stakes. I, I don't know. I, no stakes. No stakes. Doesn't feel like a threat to me anymore. If Ammon and the Wasp defeated him, you know, like Wasp came back to the portal, blah, blah, pew, 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 then some, some Hank Pym tech and that's it. So, okay, the rest of them are just a wash. Because, I mean, you want them to go up against, oh, like Thor against the other one. Well, fine. They'll dust them too if Ant-Man and Wasp could do it. Everyone can too. You know, Kang the Cannon Fodder <laughs> in chat. More like Kang the Cannon uh. Fodder. And that's all the time we have for this episode. Thank you for listening. Make sure to join us live every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. You can also watch these episodes up on YouTube as well. We'll see you guys later. We'll see you another time.